My job at Biologics Consulting, other than hosting this podcast, is regulatory submissions publishing, where we make sure documents being submitted to the FDA meet their technical requirements for receipt and review. And someone who knows more about that than I do is Ben Wimmer, our Director of Regulatory Operations, Publishing, and Electronic Submissions, and my boss. We'll talk to him about it right now. I'm James C. Taylor, and this is Insight at Biologics. Thank you for joining me, Ben. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Thank you for having me. So, yeah, my name is Ben Wimmer. I'm the Director of Regulatory Operations here at Biologics Consulting. I've been in biologics for going on 14 years now. I've been doing this whole regulatory publishing thing for about 16 years. I kind of started out, James, as you know, with you at a, another place. Um, <laughs> True. And eventually moved on to biologics consulting, which obviously was, was a good thing um, as I've been here so long. And started biologics consulting as a publisher and just kind of learned one thing after another and eventually was fortunate enough to be able to to lead this group and, and put together a group of my own here at Biologics Consulting. You know, we've had a great amount of growth going from two people to 10. Yes. And so here we are and we're still experiencing this growth and it's been very organic and just a positive experience all around. And not to brag on ourselves, but I'm going to. One of the reasons why our group has experienced growth is the quality of what we do. And that is due in no small part to your leadership. So now that I've kissed up successfully to my boss, we'll go ahead and, <laughs> and we'll go ahead and we'll actually talk about what we're here to talk about, which is the uh, environment right now for regulatory submissions and publishing, especially where ECTD is concerned. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And so what are some of the latest developments in our area? Yeah. So when people are either in the industry or even out of the industry, a lot of times will ask me, what is regulatory operations? What is regulatory publishing? And I always tell them it's a mix of, it's a mix of regulatory and information technology, because I guess like in a nutshell, what regulatory operations is, is assembling data drug data, study data, and it, <clears throat> assembling it in a way that's easy for people at FDA to review and basically just handing it to them in this nice package with a bow on it so it's as reviewable as possible. So basically, this technology aspect is something that's ingrained into our job. Regulatory submissions has obviously moved, you know, it started out with, you know, printing out, you know, all this information on paper and putting binders together and putting tabs on the binders so they can and the reviewers of the FDA can find their way around the information easier and right. then sending a whole boatload of paper <laughs> to the FDA's doorstep and letting them look at this information that way. So, you know, it's moved on quite a bit, you know, over the years using this technology aspect. And that's really always what the the biggest things that are happening and regulatory publishing these days are, are always going to be kind of technologically driven. And so right now, the things that are the hottest topics in the industry, in our corner of the industry, are, I would say, ECTD 
which is this next version of ECTD that's coming up in the next few years and is actually available right now. And the other thing, which is also very technology-driven, is standardized data. And that's moving a little bit away from this narrative text that we've been providing to FDA for so long and more into like a structured data format with more tabular and data that's simply structured and easy to navigate and compare and things like that. But yeah, obviously that narrative side of publishing is never going to go away because you're always going to have to explain your product to a certain degree, explain the data to a certain degree. But right now, yeah, those two things are driving the industry more than anything. And I want to get to actually both of those things. But one of the other things I want to bring up, because I was given a little insight on this, no pun intended, in one of my other interviews, is that the FDA reviewers don't have as much time as we might think to get through a submission. And so that's why it's very important that what we send to them is structured in such a way that they can find what they're looking for and what they need to review very quickly. I was talking with one of our consultants who prior to joining us was an FDA reviewer about the process. And I was fascinated by how little time they seem to get versus how long a time I thought they got. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And if you look at things like we've seen in recent years, like, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and drugs getting emergency use authorization, then you see they get even less time than they normally would have. Exactly. When you're, you know, in hurry up mode, trying to save the world. Yeah. You don't have time to have to hunt and peck for things. Now, first, because sometimes I know people get lost with alphabet soup. We've said ECTD several times. That is the Electronic Common Technical Document, and it's a format that's been agreed upon by regulatory agencies around the world on how to structure a submission to a regulatory agency. So that's what that means, and we're just going to say ECTD from this point forward. There have been a number of iterations of that, and the newest coming online right now is 4.0, correct? Yep, 4.0 is the newest iteration. You know, the goal of ECTD is always to make things more universal across the multiple regulatory agencies. And so ECTD started as something that was, you know, at least most of the ECTD package was going to be universal across, you know, you could submit a product to an agency in one region like the United States and an agency in a faraway region like, you know, Japan or Australia and still have the same basic structure with a little bit of tweaks here and there for what that local agency likes to require for their specific requirements. And so ECTD 4.0 is kind of taking that a step further and shooting for this universal approach, which is, again, it's always been the goal, but they're taking that a little bit further, you know, in a few different ways. Not just across different agencies, but also across, you know, things like different product types, especially to the FDA, meaning that ECTD 4.0 is going to support not only drugs, but also things like, you know, medical devices, 
tobacco products, cosmetics, things like that. So that's something that's always in the mind of the people that write this stuff and promote, you know, these new iterations of ECTD. That whole universal approach is heavily in the background. Now, right now, 4.0 is not mandatory, but it is available. How would you advise a client to proceed with preparing their submissions, both current and going into the future? For instance, is there an option to convert an existing application to 4.0 or do they have to start in 4.0 from the beginning? So, yeah, they would have to start in 4.0 from the beginning because it's in its infancy. The 4.0 is currently optional and will be mandatory in about five years, so 2028. But to answer your question, I would advise sponsors with original applications to go ahead and get on 4.0 as soon as possible and be one of the first passengers on the train, so to speak. To get to that destination a little bit sooner is going to save you some trouble in the long run. It's going to save you a lot of trouble, especially if we're talking about waiting until it's mandatory and you have to scramble and put resources together to meet the mandate and potentially experience delays and things like that. But personally, I'm always in favor of getting on these requirements as early as possible as soon as FDA starts to accept them. You know, I've done a few of these shows now, and that seems to be a common theme with all of our all of our guests, that it is always more advisable to get in on these areas early. Now, if someone is unsure of how to set things up, even though we tend to be in our position, one of the very last things that happens we can help them at the very beginning, correct? Correct, yes. I mean, I would just recommend, you know, checking with your regulatory publisher and first of all, see if they offer it at this point. It's not going to be a thing that every publisher offers. So make sure they can handle it. You know, most ECTD software systems have now been updated and converted to be able to handle 4.0, but not all of them. So you just want to make sure you're dealing with a group that's able to support it, that has a tool that's able to support it. And talk to them about it and see if they can support it or not. And as you know, it's something we've been implementing here at Biologics Consulting. You know, we've been working behind the scenes and testing out 4.0 and putting together alpha test submissions so we can support this need. And it's something that we're able to do. And we're fortunate enough to have one of those products that's able to handle it this early on. Right. And that's a key thing you do need to check with your publisher to see whether or not their present system can even run a test on it because as you said not everybody can now one of the things that we wanted to talk about as well was the standardized data can you just give a broad explanation as to what that is yeah. So in terms of publishing standardized data, we internally and publishers call, refer to them as data sets, but it's, it's basically just files of data that's standardized in tabular formats and formats that are easy to compare on FDA side. 
So it's easy to compare data from all kinds of different angles. You know, typically you see different file types put together for standardized data. The most common would be XML or .xpt, SAS. Those are all file types that are common that kind of encompass the standardized data. So essentially, what it means in terms of FDA reviewers reviewing the data is it's a step away from PDF-based technology. It's a step away from narrative-based technology. It's in a step towards a more scientific, formulatic approach. And that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. But from now, our perspective... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, from our perspective, right now, we only see non-clinical and clinical data available in this format. But in the future, there's a high likelihood that we're also going to see CMC data provided in the same format. Because, again, it's all about FDA expediting the review times. And from their perspective, it's a lot easier to run these data sets through the programs that view and assess them. And it's easier for them to compare and contrast the data using that method than it is to flip back and forth between tables and PDFs or paragraphs and PDFs because they have actual numbers at their fingertips. And it's becoming very, very popular on the FDA side. Now, some people in our industry are a little wiggly about this because one of our skill sets is very much based off of the generation and manipulation of PDF documents. And what I think they're not taking into account, and one of the things I believe we here at Biologics are very well positioned for, is that this is still going to require a lot of knowledge of formatics. It's just that instead of manipulating pages of PDFs, we're going to need to make sure that all of the data that is required is available and it is in the correct data type. And so we will be able to help you even if you move to this direction, because we understand this sort of XML-based structure, correct? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's something we've been dealing with for for quite a few years now you know fda's had a send requirement in place for i don't know five six seven years now and send is the standard exchange of non-clinical data so that's basically fda's requirement that you know certain types of non-clinical studies are required to include this standardized data in addition to the good old-fashioned study reports. You know, you mentioned that it makes getting away from the PDF-based kind of background makes some people in the industry a little squeamish because they've been doing that for so long. But as you mentioned, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're taking the data, you're assembling it in a format specified by the agency and providing it to the agency exactly how they want to see it, which is, you know, what we were doing with PDFs before. We're just doing it a different format that's you know easier for them to access and review. We're just doing different things. We're able to take that data, 
and place it in the ECTD structure exactly like FDA wants to do it. And the way they want it is there are more and more requirements to how they want it done. So I feel like people that are a little worried about moving on from the PDF-based process don't have to worry so much because, you know, there's still going to be work that has to be done by the publishing teams. They still have to put this data together, format it, and lay it out exactly like FDA wants to see it in the right places, under studies, and, and things like that. And so that part's not going to go away. And the PDF side of things isn't going to go away. That's, you know, like we talked about ECTD 4.0 earlier, they've been working on that for a long time and they retained module two. I can't really think of any way you can get away from a narrative based approach with module two, because module two is essentially summarizing your CMC, your non-clinical and your clinical data. And I think even though earlier I said, you know, we're likely going to see more of this data-based approach to module three, um, I think you're still going to see for a long time this PDF narrative-based approach. And, and even after they start making requirements for a more standardized data, I think you'll still see the narrative-based text to go along with it, kind of like we see in module four with those non-clinical sections. All right. So if anyone has any questions on 4.0 and readiness, they should feel free to contact you and check it out, correct? Absolutely. Feel free to contact me. If you have an upcoming application and you're thinking about getting ahead of the game and being able to provide your IND, your BLA, NDA, drug master file, anything to the FDA in this format, and you just want to be ahead of the game a little bit and want to give FDA a chance to expedite your review, feel free to reach out to me or, or any members of, of our team here, and we would be glad to take that project on and help you with it. Indeed. And if you'd like to contact Ben or me or anybody else here at Biologics Consulting, just email us at insight at biologicsconsulting.com. That's insight at biologicsconsulting, all one word, dot com. Thank you, Ben, for joining us today. Also, we'd love it if you, our listener, would like, subscribe, rate, and review our show. The executive producer of Insight at Biologics is Chris Crayhansel. This episode was produced and edited by James C. Taylor. Technical supervisor is Jeff Weiss. The Insight at Biologics theme is by Tom Rory Parsons. I am James C. Taylor. Thank you for joining us, and please come back for more Insight at Biologics.